Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Blister Podcast. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing and all of our other podcasts over at blisterreview.com. Well, today we are talking with the artist Jeff McFetridge about the book, The Abstract Wild by Jack Turner. So first of all, apologies, we are airing this episode one week later than we had intended. That of course is my fault, but I'm very excited to have you hear this conversation. So as you will hear me say in our conversation, I didn't exactly enter into this book with a very open mind, so that's not great. But I very much came around on this book. And as you will hear me kind of try to make the case in our conversation, I think this book is exceptionally important. And I would go so far as to say anybody listening to this podcast ought to consider this mandatory reading. This is an important book. I am incredibly grateful to Jeff that he proposed this book, which I had not heard of. And Unsurprisingly, Jeff does a really nice job of talking about why this book meant a lot to him, why he was a bit worried about recommending this for a young book club. And then mostly from there, you're going to get to hear Jeff say a lot of very interesting things about Jack Turner and this book and art, actually, which I've kind of avoided asking Jeff questions about his theories of art in general, but um, I found an inroad in a way to do that in this conversation. So I want to leave it at that. I think my primary hope for this conversation is basically that if you have not read The Abstract Wild, you go do so and soon. And if it's been some time since you've read The Abstract Wild, maybe it's time for a reread. And so anyway, that's it. And so let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Jeff McFetridge about a really important book, The Abstract Wild by Jack Turner. Here we go. Well, Jeff, this is the moment. The occasion is here. We got to have a conversation about The Abstract Wild. Thanks for picking really light reading (laughs) for for this edition of the Blister Book Club. Um, So, First question, I guess, I want to just begin with is kind of an obvious one. Why did you choose this book? Yes, that's a good question. (laughs) It's a question I asked myself as I reread this book, having already said, this should be the first book of the Blister Book Cub. And from basically from after the intro into like the intro, I'm like, Okay, yeah, I understand why I chose this as the first book in the Blister Book Club. And then every word I read, I was like, oh, my God, why did I choose this book? What, what are people thinking if they read this book? And a big, and then also, like, worrying, like, oh, wait. You know, because I'm a very, I'm a sort of a omnivorous reader. I read a lot. I'm very sort of open. When I read, I read sort of as a, as a dilettante. Like, I'm not super invested in what I read. So then I was also worried, like, oh, no. Where is this going? He would get into some political stuff. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, he, I'd be like, is he <laughs> like, it's like sort of libertarian. Then I'm like, wait, where are you going? You know, like, you know, I read it so long ago that it was a different time. And yeah, if I, I'm not scared to read something that I 
don't agree with their beliefs. So, Amen. but I never recommended a book to a book club before. So then I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> also a very, very young book club that doesn't have a lot of, uh, you know, this isn't one of 20 books of, um, you know, 20 months of. Yeah. Um, so reading through it uh, was, there was a sense of dread at the through the entire thing. And then there was a lot of sense of like, oh, this is too heavy. This is like sort of, very, you know, I, I sense much more, which I realize I liked about it, but he has like a dark energy, you know, like it's a very mm -hmm. serious, dark. Um, yeah. He's an older guy. You sense, you know, it's like this is this is, you know, there's some curmudgeon in there, like a deep sense of curmudgeon. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, he's been living in a cabin uh, reading French philosophy, you know, uh, thinking about the environment like that's going to put you on edge. Yeah. But uh, definitely like I, you know. I would say that one of the main things that happened, I think the main reason why this, I mean, I've, this is what I've, this is justification to myself of why I think I suggested it, is I sort of was mixing this book with his book, Tiwanat. So Tiwanat is a longer book. It's more of a, it's, it's just a more of a personal biography. And he talks a lot about climbing and he talks, it's about the mountain Tiwanat um, in the Tetons. And it's about him guiding and what it's like to be a guide. And then he tells a lot of story about the history of the, of the Tetons. And it's, it would have probably been a better choice. But the reason I didn't choose that is because I like this idea of like, hey, we all love the mountains. Let's talk about these larger ideas. Like, I think we, I, I mean, I know personally, like I read a lot of adventure books and first person narratives about you mountain people and that feels more accessible. And when I read the abstract wild, it was a revelation to me because it was sort of like, oh, I love that someone is bringing so much of the outside into this familiar world. You know, he talks in the book about like, um, like deep knowledge of the wild, right? Like that personal knowledge of, and that's definitely who he is. And I sense that in the book, but then he's reaching out far out into these like larger ideas and applying them to his, his world. And that's what I loved about it. But then rereading it, it's like, you know, it's, I, you know, I'm a specific person. Um, you know, I think it's, you recommend anything. It's like, well, it doesn't apply. It's, it's not a broad appeal book. I, I you know, is the, Okay, well, this is kind of funny because you're the one who recommended it. And I, I, I feel like I do, I kind of have to open with a bit of a confession here. Like I need to get this off my chest a little bit. When you first met, like I had somehow never heard of Jack Turner for which I am very embarrassed. But, you know, I started looking this book up and honestly... Again, the confession here, I was a little bit like my first kind of response. I'm like, okay, this book's called The Abstract Wild. It's like, oh, great. He was a philosophy professor. And I was a little bit like, fuck this guy. <laughs> Based on really? nothing. I, see, I, Based on nothing. And here's, here's yeah. why. And again, I'm sorry, we will, uh, but I, I just think this is a little bit of an important context for me because this book, I think I texted you. It, in the intro, just the introduction, I, I wrote you, I was like, I feel like I'm being tasered. I mean that as a compliment mm -hmm. to like any book, any book that literally that can have that kind of elicit that kind of response or have that kind of effect. But here's the thing. I've kind of got this deep, deep 
relationship in a lot of years working on Thoreau. Mm. So I kind of feel like, oh, great. Here comes somebody that I've never heard of who's going to now enlighten us about the wild. Bullshit. And then I actually started reading. And this book, I mean, let's just say this. I'm ecstatic that this ended up being our first. Oh, good. I really am. Like, I think, oh, good. I think everybody ought to work their way through this. And I went from, again, I'm not proud, but I kind of went from being like, fuck this guy to being like, this guy is doing this the right way. And this guy is working through a lot of the literature and the ways that we have come to think about the wild in ways that we all need to be doing this. <clears throat> so now I'm going to go back to asking you questions, but but I don't, this is where I needed you to stop apologizing <laughs> for this being the selection. But you, okay, that's great. Um, that's really good to hear because that was one of my concerns. But I, I also have to say to your first question, that the main reason that I suggested this book is knowing your history. Hmm. So this was a book that like, I knew your, I knew you had a background in philosophy and came from a world of academics as a writer and that you, and then you ended up living a much different life. Mm -hmm. So that is also, that is really why this book, I was like unhesitatingly mm -hmm. suggested this book for, for the Blister Book Club. But you know, that, that's very different. You know, I didn't really think of like, and then all these people read it and <laughs> you can't get it on Kindle and you know, you have, you know, and, and that sort of thing. But that's, that's good to hear because that, that was a big part of it. You know, the other thing, uh, like ground rule number one for Blister Book Club if we have to start apologizing every time an author makes a statement and we disagree with it, like that's just not going to happen. Like, Great. again, this is a terrible trend, I think. I don't know if it's a trend. I don't know what it is. But I think sometimes people have an impulse where it's like, oh, my God, I disagree with that one thing you once said. Oh, yeah. You can't yeah. come to our college campus to give a talk. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, my God. Yeah. Don't yeah, shut yeah. down ideas. Yeah, yeah. Don't be afraid Absolutely. to have conversations about them, yeah. right? And so Absolutely. that's yeah. going to be a founding a founding principle, I think, for this. Um, okay. When did Jack Turner kind of get on your radar? Yeah. I mean, I think it's because I probably read this maybe five years ago. I was trying to think back, and my brother-in-law is a writer, uh, D.B. DeVincentis, and he was writing a script about park rangers, and so I was suggesting books to him and he was reaching out to all kinds of people about books about, um, and so I'd read some books, there's great books about park rangers and just writing about the wild and, um, but that sort of interface. And, uh, and he came up with this, somebody has suggested this book. So it sort it very much came out of the blue, which I think was also great. Cause he was just like, oh, you should read this book. You know, I, I, I had read Doug Peacock. I'd read Edward Abbey, um, I have not read Gary Snyder, um, which I don't, actually I have, I read, I started one of his, that, that main book of his, but I, I didn't finish it. But like, yeah, I'm not like deep into deep ecology. Um, but so this book came to me pretty, you know, it's sort of like the perfect way for a book to come at you where you just sort of like, don't know anything about it. And it just sort of, it sort of opened up and uh, it was very specific to my, to something I like, yeah. A way of speaking about things. This is maybe, I mean, I could make a longer case for why this is a relevant question to the book. I don't really care to make that case. 
mostly I feel like I've found an excuse to ask you a question that I have kind of deliberately not asked you yet. And, you know, given your work as an artist, I kind of, you know, we've had a number of conversations now and I kind of was like, ah, I don't want to be that guy. Like asking Jeff, you know, oh, so let's get into art theory and art history and how you, you know, what counts as art and those kinds of things. But then helpfully at the top of chapter one, Jack Turner has this quote from (laughs) Michel Foucault. And I was like, this is perfect. This is my excuse to start asking Jeff questions about art because I can just, so this is it. Here's the quote from Foucault. By the way, another figure that I spent a whole lot of time studying and writing papers on, et cetera, um, good old Foucault. This, this quote at the top, a work of art opens a void, a moment of silence, a question without answer, provokes a breach without reconciliation where the world is forced to question itself. I was like, all right, well, Jeff, <laughs> what do you think of that definition of art or like what counts as art or a work of art? I mean, my art, yeah. I mean, I think it's like, I think that the world, like if the world is going to question itself, it needs the language to do that. And with art, we invent language. You know, for me, art has always been about, you know, I'm, I believe in, you know, it's sort of like a modernist ideal in some ways, but it's like, I believe in invention of new things that I am exploring ways to create imagery that sort of fills the gaps between our language, that we have the ability to speak about the world. And in, for me, it's like, I talk about like, sort of, I, it's very internal. It's like, I look in, inside myself and speak about things with a language of my own invention, right? So I'm not, you know, that's which almost gives me the freedom to read whatever I want and to be sort of omnivorous in the world because it's always sort of like about like an inward looking. So if people Google my art, you know, it's like there's a lot of, it looks all sorts of different ways, but really it's different ways of like looking inward and then coming up with the images to sort of describe these these areas that I feel like, oh, this has never been spoken about before in this way, you know? And so it's sort of like that is, that sort of relates to Foucault's. I think there's a sort of, you know, it's a type of magic that can be done with art. That, you know, this book, Foucault, like when you read, you know, since we're talking about a book, like talking about writing, it's like, it's like, you know, great writing is sort of like, I love, it's like, you can love the way someone speaks about something and you love that someone can articulate something that is, it's not like something that's like the thing when I, I love great writing, when it's not like, oh, that's something I've never thought of before. It's more like something you've thought of a hundred times, but you cannot articulate, you know? And I think it's like for lovers of wild places, the outdoors, the abstract wild, it's, you, it's like, this is describing something that's impossible to talk about. Or like you're sitting around with your friends and you're like, something bugs me about that, you know, that environmental initiative that I got an email about, but I just feel negative, you know, because you need the the words to describe like the complexities of the world. And then for me, like art making is like, it's all about those, like those interactions. It's like, sometimes it seems like in my artwork, it might seem like clever or familiar, but really what I'm doing is I'm to create, use imagery to like connect with people 
and to like con- like use it to explain like things that are internal you know like i'm not it's not like a show you know it's like trying to find those magical moments that is like you know familiar and magical you know i wonder this is definitely not a part of the book but it's my last question i'll ask you about art it seems like in a lot of definitions of art and what counts as art you know i don't tend to come across a lot of people making a case for art as being something that comforts us. Like I'm all in on the notion that Mm. art and philosophy, by the way, is sort of almost anything that gets us to question or re-examine or reevaluate. But I do wonder a little bit about, is it can something still count as art if we're finding, if it is a source of solace or comfort? Yeah, absolutely. Have I missed everybody talking about this or why does it feel to me like that's a less common? That's not a real trend in art uh, discourse right now. <laughs> okay, like There's ever? More like, or it's like more like, a, yeah, creating like uh, dystopic, dy- 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 mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, because like art likes to like, uh, like talk about the edges of itself, you know, as it should. And so like the farthest, you know, it's easy to be distracted by the farthest, the farthest edge of the art, of the art world and not like look at the middle, right? I have the type of like art practice that uh, I don't, for some reason, I don't have to concern myself with that, you know? And I, you know, I think it's because I've decided that I'm going to like invent my version of what, making things means to me and so i have i have taken that on that i'm gonna like define like i'm because i think i've never known so i'm like well if you don't know if you don't have an answer then use making things to seek out what that answer is and to do that you have to be you can't you have to be you know like don't question yourself too much and don't make you know i make rules for myself but i don't you know i try to be very open to like making things and I definitely feel like, I mean, I made um, like a whole series of paintings for my last show. Um, it was a show, it was my show in Copenhagen at V1 Gallery. And it was a series of paintings. And it was, I was de- decided to sort of explore one idea. And this is the type of thing that I will do like sometimes in my art, but they're paintings and they're very simple graphic paintings. But I was talking about this idea of understand, this word understanding. So we have this word understanding and I use that often in my work because I use this sort of very graphic language that's sort of like logos and, you know, the paintings will look like logo-like and graphic and simple. And it's sort of like, they have to be understood. They're so simple that they play with abstraction, right? And I was thinking about, oh, like understanding is such like a blunt word that in our time of disagreement, that understanding is sort of like, well, can't we have multiple type like words for understanding so it's like oh like you are speaking like if you're talking about politics or whatever um there can't there be like levels of understanding or like i understand you but there's i you know i'm taking it as like with like understanding the context and that's one type of understanding or understanding like that because of your perspective there's this or whatever right so it's like sort of like the eskimo thing of like a hundred words for snow that we need a hundred words for understanding. And then there's this sliding scale where we don't have to like agree, disagree. You know, I understand, you know. And so like, I'm playing with the idea of understanding of actual like legibility, but also this like exploring. So I did, and so with images, you can do that. Because with words, 
like we only have one word for understanding or whatever, you know, but with images, you can be for me, especially like it's, I'm really good at like, I'm way better at speaking with images than I am like writing or just talking about things. So I see that as like one of my skills. So I like explore that idea like deeply and things. And so no one knows that, like, this isn't, you would read the story, like, you know, like, um, like an artist statement from the show. And I don't even think I talk about it. So that is, so in reality, like I'm putting things out in the world that, and the idea is that it's legible when people view those works. And if you look at those works, you know, it'll be a, a group of people and they're like, things are like, you know, there's one of the images, like three people that all look the same, but they're looking at a circle in front of them on a piece of paper. But in each of their heads is sort of what they're thinking. And one's a circle made out of a dotted line. One's a circle made of this sort of foggy material. And one of them is a circle that is like zigzagged or something. And so like they all are saying, I understand that image, but in their own way, right? So it's like a way of like, and so anyone sees that image, it's like they understand like, oh, this is about communication. This is about like sort of shared communication and like this like, and it's in the language of graphics which is also this universal language that is usually used for marketing, at, you know, advertising, um, packaging. You know, it's like a tool of, uh, you know, it's used as a tool to convince you of something most, most often. That's an example of like, I mean, it's a long answer to like, yes, I believe like art can be used to like sort of like bridge divides and then comfort, you know, like, I mean, I think, um, I definitely get a lot of feedback from people who are like, you know, they get tattoos of drawings of mine because they are, and that it's not the drawing. Like I know all the tattoos, the, there's like a series of drawings that are like get used for tattoos. And one is like a couple drawing each other. And it's very simply about love and another drawing of like all these hands together, creating this, like this sort of like form that's like five hands, all sort of holding each other up. And it's like clearly about like this sort of like humanity and like like a sort of like loving togetherness, you know? Mm. And so I think those people are getting those tattoos because it's like, to use your word, it's like comforting, you know? It's something mm -hmm. they'd want to look at for the rest of their life on their body. It's some, it's like yeah. connects to like a, a belief, right? And that's comforting. Yep. Like, oh, that artist is thinking what I'm thinking. And isn't that nice? You know, when we share beliefs, we share these, you know, back to understanding, like, oh, we're we just connected, like, ding, you know, that little, mm -hmm. like a little, it's a little taser. Yep. You get a little taser, not the full <laughs> blast. Well, I don't know. This felt like a full blast taser. <laughs> what, the, what you're describing is that like beautiful reminder of, a belief set or a value or, or a reminder of, you know, what is worth valuing. So I don't know if, if, I don't know if that's what tasers do, but, uh, <laughs> if there was a, <laughs> a good electrical, yeah. The idea like a, taser. The, thing, the idea um, taser. Yeah. Okay. It's the idea taser. <clears throat> I like that. Having gone back over this book, anything in particular that kind of stood out this time, like, oh, we definitely need to touch on this element of uh, Turner's book. I mean, but broadly, I feel like the last, like it's a series of, I think we should describe, the book is a series Please. of essays, um, mainly on the subject of the wild um, in a very sort of unhesitant, 
tone, very personal tone. He described it early on, which I think really helps, is that, you know, he's a guide. He's an Exum guide. Mm-hmm. And he works with clients. And he does climbs that are, they're not like super, you know, they're sort of, I don't know how, how it would be described. But I, my sense is that he has, he doesn't do such difficult guiding that he has only like super jocks. I think he gets a really diverse right. clientele. And so he spot talks with them. He had clients and friends beg him to write a book. Because I think this is the stuff he talks about all the time. And you get that sense in the book. Like, this is his, like, these are the things he wants to say. But the sense is, like, as you go through the book, for me, like, the last essay is, like, the best one. Hmm. And that, like, you know, you sort of go, like, oh, there's some, like, as he's sort of working through ideas. Like, I feel like his, like his sort of last essay, he, he sort of, like, just unleashes. And it, there's a lot more sort of quotations and like he's doing more referencing, I feel like in like the last essay. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think the, the overall, I think that it's like, oh, this is, the, the, he covers a lot of ground, just critically thinking about things that for me, like, I don't think it's like, I don't feel like get are, are like in the, it's not, um, it, you don't feel like it's stuff you've ever heard before spoken in the way that he's he's speaking about them. And I think that that at its best, it's, you know, in the moments, I feel like in the last sense, he sort of like is saying sort of bold things or quoting bold ideas and then saying like, and maybe that's wrong, but what about this, you know? And I mm-hmm. think that's at his best. I think at its at his worst, it feels like sort of like, like sort of angry and, you know, like sort of like a purist of... Um, you know, this sort of stating the obvious of like, wouldn't it be better if we were all experiencing the wild in this very deep way, you know, like, and like, literally, like, he thinks like, when you go, like, you know, he talks a lot about like, going into a place where you feel like you're part of the food chain. Um, mm-hmm. And that sort of sense of the wild, which I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm interested in your perspective on it. But like, you know, I live in Los Angeles, like I grew up in Canada. I'm a, you know, I'm a very uh, recreational user of nature. I love wild places, but like, I, you know, I, you know, I haven't spent time being in the food chain or, but, but like, I'm very open to like his sort of like criticality of like people who use the outdoors as, you know, a place of sport mm-hmm. or like recreation, you know? And it's like, yeah. oh, that's totally me. Like what gets me outside is like trail running, skiing yep. and biking. And that's, I love that. And I'm not ashamed to say, you know, I don't mind car camping. And, you know, like, I think I am happy about that. I'm not a professional wilderness user. And so I sort of like, like, again, like that's sort of like rereading it. I'm like, ooh, I, people understand. I like that, that he has that perspective, you know? Yeah, me too. And first of all, I would say this book feels surgical, again, in the best possible way. Like, this isn't merely... It, at least it sure doesn't read like some collection of essays that were kind of more or less randomly, you know, no, produced yeah. over 20 years. Like, I do think there is merit very much in proceeding chapter by chapter. And I think the the argument that Turner is spelling out over the course of this book, I wouldn't be tempted to skip chapters or rearrange them. I think it's pretty masterful, actually, in that yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally agreed. And it's short. Did I tell you, by the way, <laughs> I can't remember if I told you this. I told you that the introduction felt like I was being tasered. Yeah. 
which I'm interested in hearing more about that. Did I tell you that I spent, the introduction for the record is four pages long. It took me six hours to read. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I just, and it's not because like I couldn't understand any of the words. I just kept getting stopped like in my tracks, like by the taser. But what do you have to explain that more? Like, do you mean it was like disrupt? Like you were like getting triggered? Like, like uh, no, uh, not, not in like some, not in the sense of today's term, like offended no, or no. anything. Yeah, no. So again, I, I told you again, I'm not proud of it, but I, I, Anytime that there are sort of quote unquote academic philosopher types that are, and guess what? I mean, Turner says the exact same thing in this book. He's kind of like, fuck that shit. Yeah. But that's what I thought about Turner before I read. It's like, he, and so we're in agreement, like academics sitting around talking in a technical vocabulary about things like the wild, you can have all of that as far as I'm concerned, right? And so I just thought this was another one of those mm. folks. And the funny part is, so I'm like, I finally sit down. I'm like, all right, whatever. Jeff wants to read this. I got to read this book. And I'm like, I got to probably spend some hours with another academic philosophy type who's going to tell us about nature. Oh. And it's like, I've already done my time in Thoreau. Like, yeah. and, and, and so like, why do I need to read like a poor knockoff? Yeah, And yeah. then, so I opened it and the very first word of the book, the very first word of the book is Thoreau. <laughs> and I know like, as immediate, I immediately went from, I am 100% out to like, I'm like 93% in from word one. Like that is the only way to start a book like this in my humble opinion. Yeah. And then just, there is no skirting, like, to his credit, I think Turner gives full sort of respect for the work that Thoreau did along these lines. And again, respect doesn't mean that you have to be in 100% agreement, right? And sometimes he's yeah. not, and that's yeah. fine. That's how we think through this stuff. I think in, you know, in his intro, he talks a good bit about his background and it's like, I was in grad school at the University of Chicago. He was teaching philosophy at the University of Illinois at Chicago. And some of this started feeling like a little bit eerily parallel in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, and then mostly it was just bringing me back into a world where I spent a lot of time sort of thinking about these things. And um, so I, I can leave it at that. I mean, but the, the introduction... I think for some personal reasons, kind of kind of knocked me out, including like he mentions Rilke, like Rilke's poem on an archaic torso of Apollo, probably one of my favorite poems of all time. So mm -hmm. I'm just like, what is happening right now? Like, <laughs> I was like, it's like Jeff broke in, read all my books and learned everything about me. And then just like casually was like, let's, uh, let's read this one thing. So... <laughs> That's that's where it was like, what is happening right now? So anyway, enough of that, though. I'm a good DJ. You know, I threw yeah. on that track. I'm like, this will get to him. I'm glad you had that experience. I mean, I remember my first, I'm, I'm going back to like first reading it. And I mean, just to have someone, I had the opposite sensation. You know, I often read books because the content is interesting, but they're sort of like badly written. 
you know? Yeah. And so to have someone who's like, I knew he was a mountain guide. And I'm like, yeah, how can this, this is amazing. Like, what are yeah. the chances of someone at this level of writing, you know, is yeah. also, and I think that is a little bit, I think we talked about it in previous podcasts. It's a little bit of a ph phenomenon of, of, of guiding and mountaineering that you're a good writer because that's the way you tell your stories. That's the only way because, you know, make, maybe you'll snap a few photos, but you have to be a storyteller so people understand that you stood on these mountains. And then you also have sort of a lot of like tent time, you know, so you're reading a lot. So definitely like this, it's a book of like, a, like sort of a very high level of, of that, you know, of yeah. someone who like uh, deep thinking. Um, yep. But I agree with you. It's, it is like, it's a very precise book. Like it's, it, he doesn't ever wander. Yeah. I don't know if it was like self edit. He's just like a good writer. So it's just very surge. It's very surgical. He's a very good writer. And, yeah. and another thing that it really worried me coming in is like, and yeah, you know, I'm like, oh God, we're getting some footnotes in here. And like, I don't know that we need to reference Charles Taylor here or anything, but, mm -hmm. but his nature passages are incredible. Yeah. Like it's really, and so I hope, because look, the goal of these conversations is that I think the end result in most cases is that it's going to be like, so if people are listening to this, if they've already read the book, hopefully they're nod nodding along in some ways with what we're saying. If they haven't read it, hopefully this inspires them to go read it. And that's what I guess I hope mostly is what's going to happen here. If anybody is getting a little bit like, is this going to get too kind of academic-y seeming? I would say hang in there. It is, I, because I, I was very worried about that. Like, I, I've been in that world. I left that world, and so did he. But um, the, the nature writing is remarkable, and it is all to this case that he's building and making. Another thing that I think I just want to say here, one of the incredibly valuable things about this book is it is really kind of an overview of nature writing itself, like the genre and a lot of the main players, you know, like a thread. That's what I was just about to say. And that's what this book served for me is that it yeah. was like, as I reread this book, I was like folding pages and writing notes to be like, oh, mm -hmm. this is stuff that's interesting to talk about. So the book looks like the entire thing is folded. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. so every page is folded. But here's yeah. one page that's just like him speaking about like, oh, here's the stuff I was reading. And it's like, and I, you know, and it's like this great list of people that you just like, oh, and I just wrote a note, read all of these books, you know, like, mm -hmm. and, and it's like, you know, if you could, you know, and some of them will probably be sort of, um, they might be a little opaque or boring or whatever, but his, you know, his love of Doug Peacock is yeah. like truly like amazing. Like he's mm -hmm. right, you know? And I would say for, I would say to give, Jack Turner credit is he's not one of those people who's writing about sort of like big ideas and it's like hard to, you know, it's hard to follow. He's super yeah. easy to follow. He's like a yeah. great professor and he's giving this overview of like, you know, I think like for those of us who like, yeah, we love the outdoors, but we also like, yeah, you, you, you think about, you know, you're, you have friends who are hunters, you have friends who are mountain bikers, you have friends who are the you know, Sierra club. Like you should like, you guys shouldn't be doing any of this. And you have friends that are, you know, like I have friends that like have motorcycles and stuff, you know, like they're like motocross guys. And so it's mm -hmm. like, if you're a person who 
has a you might be that person who has all like does all that stuff in the outdoors. This is sort of like the perfect book. Like it, it it's not it's not strident. It's like the to to understand our use of the outdoors and our love of the outdoors, we have to have multiple models that we have to apply all these different models in different ways. And we have to really, it takes some deep thinking. Like we might have to quote a little French philosophy, you know, like we don't have to read it, but there's enough quotes in here. You're like, it's just enough um, sort of nutrition to yeah. sort of feed these ideas that we already, already have. Like it's like motocross guys have these ideas. They're like, somehow I know that I just rode over a bunch of bushes but I know it's better for me to be out here than not be out here, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that there's something, and he would, you know, definitely Jack Turner would be like, you're wrong. Don't get that from my book. But <laughs> I think that the people, like, I think it's great. Like if we all read, you know, I think that it's on the spectrum of we can read, you know, it's sort of reading like his words, like just sort of helps everything. Yeah. And I think another thing that I, I think Turner gets a lot of credit for um, Thoreau does this in his own way. It's a different way. But one of the things Turner does is he kind of, you know, th- throws in elements of his own autobiography yeah. and his own growing and evolving relationship to mm-hmm. wilderness and the wild, right? And I think that's fantastic because I do think that sometimes we it's it's funny. I think we have this, a lot of people have this problem. On the one hand, we want to be principled people, people of strong conviction. And I think that's a good thing to be. But it's often difficult to then still reevaluate, like to still be open to reevaluating positions or values. Mm-hmm. And I think Turner does a fantastic job in that. Like, we are all evolving in our thinking and in our living and in our practices as long as we're alive. Yes. And certainly the goal is that we are we become more deliberate about those practices. Why do we value this and not that? Mm-hmm. Why do we do this? You know, and these things evolve as we are lucky enough to live another day and not drop dead. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I love your thought about oh Turner being like no no don't tell the motocross guy he he's not supposed to be out there it's not it's not fucking Turner's he doesn't get to say right yeah. he put he put this out there now what happens is this book is going to serve as a catalyst at its best case this book is going to serve as a catalyst to self examination and it and it yes. exists not for us to come down and agree with Turner on every single last point it hopefully is does more than that, which is we have to enter into that actual thought, you know, that actual questioning of yes. our own lives. We can't just Why adopt are, ideas. Yes. It's like take it on as your own growing thinking and how like, you know, it's a paradigm shift. It's like that's the ideal individual paradigm shifts, not like adopt adopting a model that just applies to you, you know. That's right. Yeah. And 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 again, credit to our guy. Thoreau was incredible at this. He was like, listen, if if you morons just read Walden and like run out and go build your own little hut by the pond, you've missed the whole fucking point of my yes, book. Yeah, yeah. Like if all you're gonna do is mimic, 
then you haven't actually learned anything and you haven't actually wrestled. And Turner, I think, to his credit, and I'd like to think if he was listening to this, he would be nodding like vigorously. It's not about simply getting people to end up at the exact same position on all of this stuff. It's deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think over this generation and the next generation and the next generation, our thinking has to evolve on this. Our practices have to evolve on these things. And I'd like to think that's what Turner would actually be more interested in rather than us all quitting our jobs and becoming like Exum mountain guides. Yeah, 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 exactly. No, and I think it's like we started the conversation talking about art. And I think mm. as something that once you, like for me, it's like I've had a lifetime to like really learn to love art and, you know, come, like I always loved art, but like I feel like I, like being immersed in it, it's like the gift of being immersed in something is sort of like his familiarity with the wild. I have a familiarity with art. And I think you start viewing it as like, oh, I can view like artwork. I can be omnivorous because I can see it for what it is. It's like one person's view, like one piece of this yeah. larger understanding of the visual world. And it all feels like nourishment because it feels like, oh, wait, that, oh, you're talking. That's great. You know, like, you know, I think as I, I get older, or like as I see more, it's like I feel, you know, I'm, I'm more open or more like the more it's like I don't understand things more like I'm just not like oh I get that now it's more like you become open to the sort of like that like the deep diversity of thinking and I think that uh you know I feel like this book catches him in a place where yeah he's you know he's like super he's got he's like absorbed so much um and it feels like sort of like a gift to have him like sort of it's like it's it it is like a sort of it's like a a long list of like deep ideas, but it's like there, you know, and it's like yeah. for us to sort of absorb. But like you say, it's like not to be taken. It's it's no Bible, you know. And maybe, who knows? Maybe the Bible wasn't supposed to be the Bible. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but there's one there's one part in here like back to like art making, which I yeah, I, um, which when when you were talking, I thought of um, and the page just opened directly to the page for some reason. But he's talking about like uh, Edward Abbey's book, The Monkey Wrench Game. And he said like one monkey wrench gang, the book or Grizzly Years, which is Doug Peacock's book, is worth a thousand monkey wrenchings. Like one piece of and I feel like that is totally like this book, you know, like making art like can be so powerful as and so, you know, actions in the world, um, obviously. So when he's talking about monkey wrenches, like, you know, take like um putting a bolt in a tree so when it change someone you can't chainsaw it down or whatever so that would be a monkey wrenching and so you save that tree but like writing the story of that tree creating art around those ideas can be like really really powerful and for those two writers it's like yeah exponentially more than they did in their life in the wild hmm. i think turner on that though that it's a great it's a great line but it i i mean there's a whole just to be clear since we're you know since we are kind of setting up this book like he celebrates that visionary act um he celebrates that the myth making of Thoreau as he talks about it you know mm-hmm. he he um is so grateful not just for the life of Doug Peacock but but for this work the grizzly years as a that it can show us a certain way of being in the world but i mean 
he's clearly a dude that is actually also interested in having us take on acts of defiance, yeah. right? This book yeah. is very much like, so he's not going, he's certainly, as you just pointed out, for him, he's certainly not going to say this should just be action and screw the books and screw the art making. Um, that's not an important part. He's like the art, the songs, you know, the novels, the myth making is all incredibly important for energizing the actions. And I, I think, you know, so, so just to be clear on that, because yeah, I think no, he it's would- true. Like the book is all basically about like, having experiences in the wild and yes. that's like he's like it's like so that's like i pulled out one part yeah. that's actually a, like he's trying to balance out a thousand statements that are about like yep. go out in the world you know but you know i think i i agree you know i i think it's yeah yeah and i think that's going to be one of the big things that when people read this book i think for all of us to ask ourselves what should we be doing at this point in time? What form of protest? You know, I mean, he brings up the notion of violence, mm -hmm. right? I mean, these are things that he's like, you all need to be thinking about this. And when I say you all, I mean every person that is like in, say, the kind of outdoor world or maybe is a regular reader of Blister or whatever, like, I love that Turner is pushing us on this in a way that Thoreau did too, in a way that Edward Abbey did as well. But like, the, he raises a question that might not be terribly politically correct right now. Ball's eyes throat. Yep. <laughs> yep. What do you say more about that? He there's a there's a moment in the book where uh, I mean it's like a long essay, um, but there's a and I think it's important to say, like, there's a moment where he uh, is in a zoo in India. He's in mm -hmm. India, right? And he, yeah. uh, um, there's there's somebody like taunting a mountain lion, which is his like literal spirit spirit animal. And his reaction to it um, after a long time, he's at it's like at the sort of end of his rope and this long time spent like photographing wilderness and all these sort of issues he's having and he <laughs> attacks the guy and he, he and he he instructs us like how if uh to attack someone you go for bet balls eyes throat and he grabs the guy by the throat and um is out to destroy him physically yeah. um and he ends up fighting like a group a gr whole group of of young guys and he explains how he's trained to fight and they attacked him like a group of women clawing at his hair or something in his face and but it's really intense you know yeah. but that that is an aspect but i think it's like it's good to hear that i think it's like he's like that like he's going like you get all these aspects of him it's not um there is an element of there is an edge in his writing and his thinking and his he's ready to he's ready to fight for this yeah. mountain lion like he was ready to and he says he didn't want to kill the guy but it was sort of like up in the air, you know? And I think that, uh, yeah, that's, you know, there's, there's a, it's, it's, yeah, there's a, there's a balance of, of energy in the book. Um, and I think that the book wouldn't be the same without that energy. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I, we have to touch on here. I mean, we, I feel like we buried the lead maybe a little bit, but and again, the point of this conversation is not so that people get done 
and then are like, cool, now I don't have to read that book, right? Like that's that would be the worst outcome of this conversation. So oh. <laughs> that's why that's why we're not sitting here just doing like a cliff notes chapter by chapter, like, and then he talks about this. But there is a powerful and incredibly important thing going on in this book where he talks about this slippery move that is happening, and I think this is just clearly happening. This book was written in 96. I think that if anything, like it's only gotten worse what he's talking about, where he says that basically we've substituted the concept of the wild, mm -hmm. and instead we've inserted the concept of wilderness. Mm -hmm. And I think that every single person who says they love skiing or says they love mountain biking or trail running or hunting, et cetera, et cetera, spending time outside in quote unquote wilderness-ish areas, I think this is a critically important thing that Turner is working hard to show us that, I mean, and the argument is that we've kind of lost sight of the notion of the wild and the actual, our ability to go connect with wild things and wild places and wild animals. And what we're kind of doing now is quote unquote, protecting wilderness areas mm -hmm. or donating a bit of money to a wilderness protection act. Yeah. And I think he rightly wants to clarify for us, this ain't the same thing. Yeah. Thoughts on that or what would you, how did you look at that? I mean, yeah, no, I think it's absolutely, that. that's like the bulk of the book. And I think that he, you know, I think it's, yeah, I think that's something that, you know, I think the way he writes about it, I think every, you know, as I'm reading it, thinking like that people are going to be reading this, I think it's like, you can't, I think that's definitely something in the book that's very approachable from many different angles, you know? And I think yeah. that it's just a, it's more of that sort of like paradigm shift, like, having an understanding you like let's look at the words let's look at our perception of something and let me talk about it in a way that i can start to like erode maybe your personal whatever your personal understanding of what wild is you know i often say like i talk about myself as like outdoorsy because i think it's you know that's the reality you know it's just like it's a goofy way to say you know it's not like <laughs> it lacks the sort of seriousness and I think that it is like the words we use to describe ourselves or, or the, our experiences or like in as like as like uh, citizens, how we explain the, the world around us. I think it is important, you know, the differences in, you know, and he doesn't get into like the differences in the what type, which I think is great, actually. Like he doesn't get into the weeds of sort of like the differences in public land and, you know, he sort of skirts by it. He. He doesn't right. talk about like the difference between BLM land and state land and national right. forests. He's just like, whatever, which I think is great because he wants to talk about the larger, like the bigger ideas of like, how did we get here? And we got here through like these philosophical ideas and like, you know, Leopold and um, like the, the sort of like the thinkers that, that sort of led us to the place where we are now. And um, yeah, it's like really, really important really important stuff. Um, hmm. And and I think really interesting, like as, as any user. And one thing, I don't know, you know, he spent a lot of time in Asia, 
like I'm originally from Canada and it's so my understanding of like like land is is very different like growing up in Canada like in western Canada and there's huge space and huge wild and you know it definitely changed in my lifetime but um you know I'm imagine you know imagine someone from France reading this book like what are you talking about you have so much wilderness you know and like I you know for me I view like like I can't believe people are allowed to shoot guns and drive four by fours all over America, you know? Mm-hmm. And because in Canada, that's like super, super, I mean, the guns is really restricted, but even that sort of, that sort of land use, you know, resource, you know, we, uh, land use resource that, you know, that would be a, some language that Jack Turner would despise, you know? Yeah. But yeah, you know, I think that, you know, he breaks down, I mean, there's so many interesting ideas. His like talking about like how use like his disdain for the, talking about the economy of the outdoors yep. and, and space. And I think I love that. Cause like, let's start talking about, like, let's start talking about capitalism. Like, cause that's something definitely I do in my work. Like when I was saying earlier about gra- like art and graphics are used for commerce. And I'm like, what if we used it just for pers- like personal use? Like, can't we, you know, like, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the art world's are like, wait, you're going to use graphics to talk about like conceptual things or like inner thinking, you know? And I think, I feel like that's his, like, like, why are you talking about like, you know, like comparing, like predicting what's going to happen with the environment or, you know, by like using economic models, you know? And I think it's like, and just using those words, you know, resource and stuff can be very loaded, but um, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's great thinking. It's just so fundamental. And and again, another way to put this all is that Turner thinks that we are losing access to these experiences of the wild and so much so that we don't even know that yeah. we're losing it, right? Mm. And, and I think that he, again, does a, just a masterful job of making this case and again not with the idea that we all have this blueprint of this is exactly the life that we all need to start leading but i can't i just can't fathom anybody who especially as i you know has been listening to this conversation for you know 50 minutes now or so i can't fathom that this is a book that you don't need to read right? Like it's going to push you in certain ways, but like some books you're kind of like, you know, yeah, I already had a pretty good handle on what was happening in 18th century, you know, like during the industrial revolution, didn't really learn a lot there. This is going to push you in certain ways that I think, again, just any of us who are going out and doing some of the things that we enjoy doing, like you say, if we're describing ourselves as outdoorsy, even let's take a look at that. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if Turner would say this, but I'm like, I don't care where you end up. I just don't think you're going to end up in the same place that you were in before you started reading this. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, when he gets in, you know, I think there's times definitely where it's like, it's like a challenge when he's like, you know, and I think Edward Abbey is in that, you know, there's always this, there's a little discomfort, um, you know, they get sort of like, well, you should have been here yesterday vibes. And 
Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that, you know, his, his sense of like, we need to experience and we, this, 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 this world that's lost, but, and it's, it's true. Um, I think that in our time, we, we are, we have, there's even a, you know, I think for young people, and I think we have an even stronger, you know, I think there'll be a time when, uh, I don't know, like sort of around now where the young outdoorsy people are going to stop reading Edward Abbey because it feels, it's going to feel it's going to sting too much and his tone and, you know, it's sort of like, Whoa, can you, I don't know, you know, like it's not really, um, yeah, it, it, there's there, it's stinging, you know, mm-hmm. Jack Turner doesn't have that, you know, it, I don't think it has that it's not powerful, but you know, it's, it's there for sure. Um, like when you're reading the, you know, he, he, those long, these sort of like long passages that are sort of about like, experiencing like how you should experience the wild and you know i've never traversed mountain ranges up off a trail like no way you know like i'm just like I, that's just not my lifestyle you know <laughs> mm-hmm. um and, but i don't have any problem with someone saying like you should because i'm like i know you're right like I'm, I'm with that you know i'd like to do that um i guess i had the ski touring i guess i have there's no yeah trail but that feels different you know different than what i feel like he's talking about you know Hmm. yeah i don't know i mean i think a big part of what he is talking about right is these interactions and experiences with the wild is in part putting ourselves in situations where we are not in control the avalanches he talks about i'm like this is good for rear it's like ah this is a yep. great thing for anybody who goes into avalanche terrain yep. because it's that thing. Like it's really hard for when you talk about like avalanche safety, it's like, you can't mm-hmm. really say that. Like what you're talking about is these larger ideas that are like, you still go out. Like you don't like, it's like, yes, it's great to go like skiing 20 degree slopes is, you know, like you can do that, you know, 30 degree slopes, fine. You know, like, but I think we all have, we all understand like, it's part of the equation, you know, is um, this understanding of wild places. And when he says wild, that he means avalanche terrain. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I found myself thinking quite a bit about kayaking too, boating. Yeah. And I mean, that's not my jam. You know, I've got a number of friends who are passionate boaters man, that's where it's like, you just drop in and like, you are absolutely not in control. It's just like, cool, I'm now subjected to the river. And um, it seems like, not to try to conflate like the wild with some of these sports activities that we do, but I was, as I was thinking through this, I found myself thinking like, yeah, if you're backcountry skiing, anytime you go drop onto a slope and you think you've done your homework and you think you're good, but you don't know with 100% certainty a lot of the time, right? Yeah, yeah. But, and um, like the ground literally is about to move under your feet, right? Or could, but I was like, man, kayakers, that's literally every time they drop in, every single time. And um, I was, I I don't know, I, I didn't get far enough in thinking through that, but I would like to think that boaters would be nodding right now being like, yeah, man, like we, I I really like in a way props to them. It's also exactly why I don't want to do it. Like, I don't want to subject myself to that every single time, you know, um, I'm doing the thing, but, um, I wonder what Turner would have to say about, you know, boaters, you know, getting into some, 
some serious water, you know, because you are you are at the mercy of the river. Yeah. Yeah. He mentions it and he talks about Yeah. He talks about kayaking and that it's like he, there's this section where he starts to he gets he gets pretty tripped out. It's like gets very much for me. And he's talking about like that the edge, yeah, the edge of what is it is fractalized. The edge of a avalanche mm, is right. fractaled. And that yeah. and he talks about kayakers that like and it makes sense. It's like, yeah, you can have a line through a zone, but it's way too the math is way too complex. It's gonna be different mm. all the time. It's always moving, always changing, and you know, the the like all, all that stuff, which I think um when you're with Bodert, I have a friend, yeah, who's taken me on rafting trips and you realize like, oh, you, there's a lot of just let it go in in rafting, you know, like a lot of sending it like mm-hmm. um, uh, because you can't you can't be like two paddles here, one paddle. Like, right. it, it doesn't really you have to like really like commit. It's about like that sort of committing. And um, yeah, and I mean, he's sort of like he like I can't really tell like he seems like he's like he is like sort of anti-recreation, anti, it, it's it's vague because he is a climber. He isn't, he talks a lot about skiing in his book, Tiwanan, and he has a lot of respect for skiing. And I don't know if he skis, but there's a lot of ski talk in it. And uh, he he does a great chapter about just like first descents um, in the Tetons. And, and it's another sort of like naming of people that I went and like Googled all of them because it was like, mm. oh, these amazing, you know, this sort of like amazing lost history. Um, but uh, yeah, I think his, I think as like, I'm, you know, this is Blister Book Club. And I think it's like, the, you know, we're a bunch of people who like do stuff in the mountains. And I think it's, I, I you know, I'm open to someone who's like talking, like I used to sort of like bristle at the Sierra Club, like everyone should get out of the mountains, you know, sort of sense you know as a you know as a member of of uh the mountain bike association you know and you know and this like sierra club was always fighting to like close things off and and i think that gets into sort of like larger issues but i I don't you know he stands like he is a climber and you know he he, like he 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 likes he's bringing clients out into the mountains so yeah you know i think that you know he's I think a lot of these ideas are sort of like bouncing off of his his reality and and he's very open to that you know um, but you know, I, I think that, yeah, I think he, who knows, maybe he's really, you know, he does a lot of talking about like the commercialization of, you know, parks and, you know, here he is working for Exum mountain guides, you know, and, yeah. and he's critical of guiding and guide books and he's critical yeah. of maps and GPS and, you know, and I'm like, yeah, totally, you know, but I use all that stuff, but, um, I'm, you know, I can be critical too without, yeah. you know, I think it's just criticality is not off. It's not just hypocrisy you know it's like no like yeah multiple models you know yeah and and he does a great job and maybe it's maybe this comes out particularly in the last chapter where he talks a lot about humility right and it's like i love that there is that he wants to he wants to complicate the world i love right so it's like it's he doesn't like, apologize. No apologies. Yeah. It, so it's not like guidebooks. Are they good or terrible? Yeah. It's like Jesus. Like we don't have to always live in that world of no. utter black and white. No. And it's like people, you know, please think, think through how we make use of these things. And yeah. if we're going into the mountains or wild places, why are we going? What are we doing? What maybe should we not be doing? Yeah, And that I think is the real, it, it's why I, you know, again, coming in 100% out on this book before I read it, 
it's why, um, and I, 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 um, I do feel like this is something that I don't know if he learned it from Thoreau, but this is something that I think Walden is wonderful at. It is yes. just not about, it's not like you turn to the last page of the book and it's like, here's the 10 steps that you should now go do. It's like, you got to think way harder about this stuff. And um, I think ultimately that's the, the reason this is such a valuable book. It's exactly the thing I say about Walden, and I'm happy to extend this to the abstract wild, is the reason that I was back in the day arguing that Walden is one of the greatest works of philosophy is that it's like, well, what constitutes a work of philosophy, right? And for me, it came down, it's like, well, if we accept kind of a, a Socratic understanding of what is like the discipline or the activity of philosophy, it, it would be then like a book is a work of philosophy if it serves as a catalyst for self-examination. Mm. And what would count as like the best philosophy book would be whatever the book is that serves as the greatest catalyst to mm. self-examination. Wow. And and for me, um, and that might, you know, everyone on earth might have a different answer to that question. But for me, that is why I kind of unapologetically would argue, I know of no book in the history, certainly of Western quote unquote philosophy or canonical philosophy that matches Walden, when it comes to, it's a tool. It is a catalyst to self-examination. And I think that Turner's book, so this is about the highest praise I suppose I can give a book. Turner's book functions in that way, mm. about helping us rethink and reevaluate our examination to these wild places or to wilderness places in a way that, again, I just think any of us who are skiing or mountain biking or bird watching or hunting or doing anything outdoors, this is worth our time to be subjected to Turner and some of these ideas and some of his challenges and the like. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you're talking about Walden. I totally agree. I only read it this year. I hadn't read it. Wow. And it's, and it's amazingly, uh, it's so funny and accessible and mm. yeah, it's, and I think that, um, yeah, I agree. Like, I think it, I think like of your definition of a work of philosophy and like what can like maxim, like what, like it's sort of like, you don't go for like, I'm not, you're not trying to go viral or have like a hit, you know, Right. but like the depth of something, you know, sometimes like something, the depth of something shows and it's how it, re it, it reverberates out in the world, you know? Um, mm. Interestingly, why is this book? It's out on Arizona press. I know. Why can't you get it in digital form? What the heck? I don't know. I don't know how well known. I don't know anything about him. You know, I've read his books. I don't know. I've never, I haven't found him on YouTube. I did it. I did this, that um, Utah Traverse, uh, where you go to all the ski resorts in Little Cottonwood Canyon mm -hmm. and you ski them all and, and it's super fun. And our guide, you do it with a guide and he was an Exum guide and he was just there. He was like, he's a summer guide at Exum and he knew Jack Turner. And he's like, I have Jack Turner's stove in my cabin. Wow. And he says, yeah, he's still around. He's still up in the mountains and he, he's an older guy. He, 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 he said that he might not still guide, um, but he's still there. 
I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know much about Jack Turner, but hmm. I agree. Like this book, this book should be like sort of like out there. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. It'd be really interesting if if you have readers that are like, oh yeah, you know, like that was like uh, mandatory reading in some class I took, or like I, I have no idea, you know, like oh, like that sort of like how how far reaching it is or how it's sort of seen in, in the world, you know. It's mentioned as you know, in the back it says like you know that he um, he is Turner. You know, Men's Journal says Turner is one of the founders of deep ecology. So, uh, you know, I don't, he doesn't, I don't, it's funny. He, he seems to Turner. Yeah. Turner doesn't love that particular movement. Let's I say. know. Yeah. I, yeah, I know he's, he's, he's reverential of Gary Snyder and he, but he seems to view him from like afar and it doesn't, yeah, it's, it's hard to, I don't know, but yeah. it's on the back of his book that quote. So I don't know if there's some, I'm, some I'm pretty sure there. Turner didn't pick the men's journal uh, quote. <laughs> pretty sure. Yeah, uh, graphic designer. No, no that. offense, Men's Journal, but um, <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, um, this book is a gift, and honestly, I am incredibly grateful to you for for putting this on my radar. Again, I'm I I admit I I'm embarrassed that I I didn't know this book or and that I didn't know Jack Turner, but it's also like the wonderful thing about being alive is. It's like, I didn't know this guy most of my life. And then thanks to you, um, you know, this came onto my radar and I think it's really important. And so those, those are great. I love those interactions. Right. And, um, so truly I'm, I'm really grateful. Oh, that's a relief. That's a relief. <laughs> so, um, and I do, I hope now that we have, um, again, I, my hope was to not just sort of provide a cliff notes version of this book so that, you know, get done listening to our conversation and be like, cool, now I don't need to read that. I hope we've sort of managed to do the opposite of that. And yeah, people are, yeah. I don't know if, if they, if, if we failed, I'll take the blame. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, think I mean, how do people it. normally do, how would this normal, like, what do people do when, in uh, talking about a book? I think, yeah, you don't, I, like, I mean, I, I will say, I, I've listened to a lot of podcasts because I think a lot about this. Yeah. And I've listened to a lot of podcasts where I get done and I'm like, cool, now I don't need to read the book. Oh, you just okay. saved me a bunch yeah. of time. Yeah. And um, that would be the, the, because I hope we've conveyed by now, this isn't a book where it's just like, here's the three things that basically, these were the three like lessons or arguments of the book. So you really don't actually need to read it. That is not this type of book. No. I would say. No, absolutely not. I mean, I definitely read this like in a summer spent, you know, I, I'm pretty sure it was like done. Well, we, you know, me with my family, we we drive my van from Los Angeles to Chicago and we take like, you know, two or three weeks like camping. And that's hmm. when I read. And it's like this book when you're just like sort of like out in the world, you know, yeah. we were just like camping and stuff. And it's like, it's just great. Because it's like, it balances out like a type of, it, you know, I think that it, it's the type of deep thinking that it, it, yeah, it's like, it is a perfect, it's like, if, you know, for him, I think that's how he balanced his life. Like he lived this very, he's like living this very physical life as a guide. And when you go back to the cabin, you want to get deep, you know, you want to dig into it and you're not going to blaze this book in like a, a weekend, like page turner. It's mm -hmm. more like you're going to savor it and be like, whoa, folding yeah. that page over because that was a cool idea, you know? 
and you end up folding tons of pages over. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jeff, I want to let you get going. Um, really, thanks so much. This has been great. And um, <laughs> I guess I was about to say, I can't wait to hear what book you recommend, like, I don't know, a year from now or something. But uh, <laughs> I guess I'm also slightly scared, I guess, in the best possible way, you know, you like, never um, know what to expect. This, this one took me on a journey. That's and, so great. Uh, I, I hope, uh, I frankly hope that some of the people listening to this book, if they haven't already, I, I hope they are uh, going to sign up for the journey as well. So, yes, really. Hope um, so. Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts on this and um, look forward to talking to you soon. Yes, thank you. Well, that's it for this edition of the Blister Book Club. Uh, thanks to Jeff for the conversation. Thanks to Jared Farley for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. And on behalf of all of us here in Crested Butte, please be safe. Please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again next week.